What's up, Internet? Welcome to Session 15 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I'm your host this week, Joel DeWitt, and with me is one heartless Eric Dedinger. Hey, Daddy. Uh, I'm getting a really bad feeling about this one. Also with us this week is our very own personal Yoko Ono, my wife, mobile game player, and Stylanders aficionado, Kelly DeWitt. I can make this a solo act if you really want. Hey, it could have been worse. I could have called it your corny love. Gross. <laughs> I think I just became a third wheel? Not third wheel. Three's company. <laughs> anyway, this week, you're in store for a Keyblade Dense episode, as well as some fun topics and news, and a surprise segment for Kelly. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, our esteemed host is excited about that one. Uh, but first, we're going to change the pace this week and start with the Backlog blog. Let's dust off some old titles and chat about them. Kelly, since you're our guest this week, I'd like you to introduce uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, which I've been watching you play lately. Alright, cool. It's pretty basic. Kingdom Hearts, from what I have played so far, is about this character named Sora. He gets thrown into this world uh, somehow. It's kind of a convoluted mess at the beginning for me, but basically he kind of gets thrown into this world. He becomes this chosen one who gets the Keyblade and then goes on a mission to find his friends. And in the process, he meets Donald and Goofy, who are looking actually for King Mickey. So they're all going together on having these misadventures, having these misadventures trying to find their friends. So it's it, it kind of picks up pace as it goes along. I personally, I'm having a lot of fun with it. One thing I love is the currency is spelled M-U-N-N-Y, which is just a play off of uh, Pooh Bear's honey, <laughs> H-U-N-N-Y, which I find, you know... Funny, that, so. that was the first. That was the first thing that stuck with me that I really got a good kick out of. Just yeah, <laughs> those, those small little details uh, so far in this game have been really effective at evoking the kind of callbacks to at least our childhood. Yes. with some of these movies and uh, events like that. Yeah, exactly. And I like when you pick them up and they say you have one money, and so it's kind of it's just kind of a fun, cutesy little thing like that. So far. I've only gotten through completely Alice in Wonderland, and I'm currently in Tarzan. So I really loved going through Alice in Wonderland because I love Disney. So this is a great game for me because I am a huge Disney nerd, and I find this extremely, just extremely interesting for me. So... So let's go back to real quick because the introduction I found interesting that they, they set up the premise with Sora and a couple of his friends and for the life of me I can't remember anybody's name outside of Sora Disney or Final Fantasy characters they call back but oh they, come they, on I can help with that well then <laughs> who do you who do you want to know anybody anybody, <laughs> anybody on, on the beach yeah uh, there was Titus there was Waka. Oh wait, and wait. Oh, okay. Was... Oh, I wasn't thinking about the Final Fantasy characters because oh. I. But the they're like two friends of uh, Sora's. It's like Kyrie and Kyrie. Or... Yes, yeah, Kyrie. Yes. Yes. Exactly. You said you said Riku and Kyrie and Kyrie. Yeah. Okay. No, I I did an okay job keeping track of the Final Fantasy characters so far. I don't know anything about Final Fantasy, so that's that's something that's sort of 
neutral to me. I'm not really, I, I don't get that. So the, the Kingdom Hearts part that I love a lot is the fact that it is Disney. It is primarily Disney and a Disney world. And I, that's, that's what I'm loving about this. So I'm only, I, I only got through Alice in Wonderland, which I thought was fun. And Tarzan is fun, but it's not as fun as the fantastical world of Alice in Wonderland. So, <laughs> so um, I just, Daddy, how you've played throughout the entirety of this game, right? I've played pretty much everything that's existed for Kingdom Hearts. Oh, good lord! Uh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> In, including including the. Don't worry, I'll I'll talk about more later. Okay. <laughs> so I guess the question is: do, do you recall about how many different Disney worlds exist in the first Kingdom Hearts? Ah, uh, shoot! There's got to be. Let me think. So there was there was Traverse Town, which doesn't really count. Uh, you got Alice, Tarzan. You go to uh, Olympus at some point. Okay, yes. I, I guess before we uh, move forward here, do you want to be spoiled on which ones we go to throughout this game? Or oh, yeah. yeah. If you want to stop me. <laughs> I, I figured. I, you know what? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just be surprised. Uh, unless okay. it's, unless I, it's I was, imperative. I was wondering more if we, you had a rough count of like how many different places. Oh, jeez. Uh can't recall off the top of my head. I'd have to just try and name them to see what I can remember. Okay, because the one I'm finding is that these different segments aren't terribly long so far. The The length, really, from what I've seen has been through these collection hunts you have to go on on the different sections. So, like, in Alice in Wonderland, they were clues to try to get Alice out from being on trial. Yeah. And then uh, Tarzan, so far, they were, like, slides. Yeah, I had to find the slides, which I did. Huh. So that's... And something about... Uh, they found... Uh, one of the slides was a kingdom or something, and he's like, that looks familiar. So I haven't gotten that far i haven't gotten past that yet so but, but the length really is going on these sort of treasure hunts and then being stopped every couple feet by the heartless i think is what they're called right the the yep. little sort of black blobbish kind of monsters that come about and pop up to, to battle so there's I, I was kind of surprised at how frequently they're coming out of the ground to uh, have to face off with as you walk through these areas yeah. yeah those are your random encounters like you would have in any final fantasy game mm. sure Sure. Yeah, and, and with you not having too much experience, Kelly, with uh, I don't I don't know anything about games. those games. No. So Final Fantasy is sort of split into what I'd call kind of two different eras of games, where the newer stuff, from what I I haven't played much of the newer stuff, Daddy. So correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but the newer stuff seems to follow a similar action battle pattern that something like the Kingdom Hearts series has, where it's active battle, you are controlling everything on screen for the most part, and you're having to manage not just like timing of your attacks or spells, but also where you're at on the field so you're not being in danger of being hurt. Right. Right. With with Final Fantasy fifteen you see the most similar combat to what you have in Kingdom Hearts. So you really have to be aware of where you are and using your abilities to their the greatest effectiveness. Like, uh, you have to manage your mana in Kingdom Hearts as well. Oh, okay. Right, I... so you have one spell right now, which is a fire spell. Yeah. And you have the profile in the corner with Sora's face, and, like, he, he makes that sort of wincing look on his face when he gets hit. <laughs> right. And it's another fun attention to detail kind yeah, of thing is. For I, yeah. what it is. But there's a green bar, which is your health, and mm -hmm. then there's a blue bar, and that's that's your, what they call mana. 
which is like the the magical points. Okay. They actually have it. I at, was wondering what corner. that was. And usually in a RPG, anything time you're casting a spell, it's usually depleting from that. And so you'll use up your meter for that, and then either you'll either have to use an item to replenish it, or in some games, and I, I think in Kingdom Hearts, I noticed over time it does replenish a little bit as you're playing through. You Yeah, if you pick up the blue orbs, then that'll replenish your mana. Yeah. Just like oh, okay. green orbs are health. The green and... orbs, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, part of the fun of this or interesting part of this is that Kelly's getting kind of a crash course in learning some of these different systems that we've been acquainted with for quite a while. And one thing that kind of threw us both for a loop is that at the end of the Alice in Wonderland section, the boss there is this kind of like, almost paper craft looking kind of yeah, monster with like accordion limbs and I, fire yeah. sticks. Yeah, he looked like a clown of sorts. <laughs> yeah. So we got stuck pretty hard on there actually at first. And we even got to the point where we started looking up tutorials because I was kind of blowing my mind that we were struggling with like one of the first bosses in this game. And what I realized is that part of the tutorial was saying, oh, use your dodge button to to dodge against it. Yes. Oh, the dodge. You weren't using dodge? That's the best button ever. <laughs> it's also nice to know where it is. So. Yeah, uh, well, that, that's the crazy part. You have to you have to equip dodge as part of, like, your uh, menu equip. It's yes, not you just, do. It's just n- yeah. not, uh, it's not no a basic idea. button input. You, for all the characters, they've got abilities that you can assign, and then there, there are certain points that you have, like, a limit to how many you can assign these abilities to, and some of them are, like, modifiers to how much damage they output or something like that, but for Sora, the dodge button is something you have to assign a point to on these abilities to be able to mm-hmm. enable it. Right. So we were going... We probably went, what, four or five times against that boss before I saw the walkthrough. And then I was testing out the dodge button before we started the boss and going like, what the hell? It's not, it's not working. (laughs) And so I doodled it a little more and I was like, are are you kidding me? We have to use an ability point to uh, enact this thing to just be able to use the dodge. Yeah. And so it, it was just, it kind of threw me for a loop as, as something that uh, I would not have expected. No. You get more of that towards the end of the game, too. Some of the more beefy abilities that you can use, they require more of the skill ab- or ability points. Oh. Right. So I, I, I'm aware of those kind of systems where you have to assign certain abilities in the menus prior to combat, but I, I guess I just didn't expect such a basic move to, <laughs> to be assigned. I thought it would have just point. been. I, I just thought it would have appeared. That right. I would I, never have known that. I, I, we we might just be spoiled by current game conventions. Yeah, probably. It, it sounds strange, you know, to think this way, but PlayStation Three was this was a PlayStation Two game actually. Was, originally. Yeah, PS Two. Right. So it, we we're talking about what good fifteen or so years ago by now. I'm trying to think of how long ago it was. Oh, yeah, it's it's fifteen years ago. Yeah. So it's, I did a little bit of research too because I wanted to make sure that I was ready to talk about this and Kingdom Hearts 3. We're playing on PlayStation 3 with the uh, 1.5 HD remix, which includes a few of those uh, side stories <laughs> that, <laughs> that we had aforementioned. I'm not, I'm not sure that we're going to get into those. I guess I meant it depends on how much you keep enjoying this, Kelly. But. I, I'm really enjoying it right now with all of the sort of interruptions I've come across. I'm not the most patient person on the planet so when i do something i've noticed i've had to 
go over and do over things a lot in the game. And I get angry and anxious and upset. So, yeah, especially when I was the other night when I was playing it at midnight, you know, it's not fun falling off a cliff 500 times and, <laughs> and being able to, to keep my cool doing it. So it's, it's really not a game I can play that late at night. But um, I'm enjoying it when I actually am awake and patient, or relatively speaking. And I will just say that... Uh, Goofy and Donald are the best team pairings that they could have come up with. Oh, because Donald's my favorite, so he's always been my favorite. Right. I mean, beyond just your personal preference, though, if anybody I, I know you're if anybody has an affinity <laughs> towards Disney characters, even when they're not using voice actors, you read the text assigned to them, and you can hear it in your head <laughs> clear as day what their voice sounds like. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. So by that virtue alone, it, it, it works really well in already sort of pre-assigning a personality. Well, and they're, they're the two most personable characters. I mean, they, they, they have the most personality, as far as I'm concerned, out of all the Disney characters, I think. Right, but I also think that's sort of what a draw of this series is a little bit, to me at least, is that a lot of role-playing games, you don't know the characters starting out. When you first start the game... You're, yeah, that's true. you're learning to figure out what these characters' personalities oh, yeah. and characters are and then watching them develop as you play through, right? So here you're going into it with, sure, you've got Sora, which is sort of a blank slate, other than the sort of uh, overly positive, I'd say, can-do kind of attitude personality right. to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very, very childlike. I sort of take it that he's like a... I sort of take him in the 12-year-old range, to be (laughs) honest with his demeanor and and things. But all these characters are, at least from the Disney world, are very already set in stone as to who they are. So if you have any knowledge of where they come from, you have that built-in character trait already to bring into the dynamic of your team. Mm -hmm. Whereas even, it might not be for your case, Kelly, but the Final Fantasy characters, they all have their distinct personalities, too, if you are familiar with them. So like Squall... Which, gosh, what did he call himself in this game? What was it? Oh. He called himself he called himself something else. He has to be called something. Leon. He called himself Leon. Yeah, right. So Because like, of his last name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but like he he has a very kind of uh Stoic. To... Very uh... Yeah. Yeah, sto- stoic. I-, I was going to also say, like, uh, m- m- he comes m- off as kind of a jerk when you run into him to begin with. Yeah, I would say that, but I I think that matches his character in eight. Exactly, so. and that's that's the point. While Kelly's yeah. enjoying the Disney aspect of it, you're able to resonate with those Final Fantasy characters who you've seen and you you know from over the years. Right, because really a nice marriage of the characters. Oh, oh yeah. It absolutely is. So that's it works both ways where if you have a familiarity of the characters, and I would say that from what we've seen so far, they all seem to be true to their origins a bit when they're being brought together in this game. Right. That's a great way to be able to onboard someone into the story without having to go into like long backstory diatribes or a lot of older RPGs, you will go into these portions where it'll be like a five to ten minute scene of focusing on one character right. and going into the backstory yeah. of what, how they became who they were. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's nice to be able to sort Sort of just jump in with it like this and not have to go into all that. But so I'll, yeah. I'll tell you something that I learned about Donald and Goofy from playing this game. They have no responsibility when it comes to the potions and ethers <laughs> that I give them. They uh-huh. spend those things like it's it doesn't cost any money. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Donald doesn't wear any pants, so he wouldn't have to do about money management. And uh, yeah. 
But they, I, I really, that that's good to know. Honestly, I don't think you've used any potions I so have. far. I have. You have? Well, I've or had at least, two. But, but you haven't assigned. So what, what Daddy's saying is that if you go in the menus, right. you can assign Donald or Doofy to carry oh, yeah. their own potions right. and stuff. Right. So like, think about that first boss you were having trouble with where like you'd be battling him for like 10 minutes straight and so Donald or Doofy at a time would go down and pass out. Right, right. <laughs> and, and have the cartoon stars floating <laughs> above their head. And there's, there's potions that you can assign to them that let them choose to use it instead of getting near death. So you're, you're saying like they'll use it with reckless abandon if you if you assign it to them. Right. The first chance they get they're throwing <laughs> these things away like, like nobody's business. It's not fair. <laughs> One of the things I did like is that, and I'm pretty sure that I remember this, you don't have any phoenix downs in this game. Potions will automatically heal your character back from being passed out. Oh, they will. I a, didn't know that. That's good. What I is a so. phoenix down? So, you know what a phoenix is? <laughs> I know what a phoenix is. Do you know what down is? I know what a down is, or I know what down is. I know both That's downs. Good. Okay. <laughs> so we're, well, I'm explaining this to you because phoenix... You mean like the down from a duck... Yes. yes. Okay, I see. So, like, the phoenix down. Yes. Okay, not phoenix going down. So, right. phoenixes typically have a property about... Healing and rebirth. Resurrection. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah. So... So, the idea is that, historically, in the Final Fantasy series, there's been an item called phoenix down, to where if you're in a battle, one of your party members dies... Mm -hmm. Uh, they can't be resuscitated until you use this Phoenix Down item. Oh, and that's okay. what brings them back from the dead, so you can heal them and, and utilize gotcha. them in battle again. Typically, it's something you have to use either in battle or even after battle. If you won, your character will still be dead until you use a Phoenix Down item. Right. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of RPGs are just as much about item management and having all the supplies and resources on hand, just as much as how effectively you utilize moves in battle. And that, that's a simplification that is really helpful, okay. and I appreciate. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I was not aware that I, I, I'll be honest, I just figured you had to wait until Donald or Goofy got their lazy ass up and <laughs> got moving again, but uh, that's neither here nor there, I suppose. Right. You have any more thoughts about uh, Kingdom Hearts 1? Uh, really the... Uh, those are the things I really liked. The things that kind of bugged me were when I started this, I guess, Traverse Town or whatever, The when they introduced the little heartless things, they kept popping up a lot and they got more and more and it was sort of irritating how much they came around. So that, that kind of was one thing that irritated me. Not a big deal. Nothing certainly really worth complaining about, just noting. Uh, no, the bosses are nice and challenging once you get them figured out. Uh, the, like the dodge thing, that was kind of irritating. Mm. Um, one, that, that, that did take a while. Uh, one thing that I have to get used to is when you change your perspective and you have to hit the, uh, the joystick to, yeah. to turn your vision. So, that irritates me. So uh -huh. you're... <laughs> You're not as well versed in 3D movement, no. and, and mm -hmm. also there's a lock-on feature in battle that helps you sort of hone in your focus on particular enemies as yes. you're fighting, which is more important, I think, so far from what I've seen when you're facing off a horde of Heartless that pop out of the ground more right. so than even the bosses a bit. But this is something you have to work to be used to, is using that R1 trigger to... Yeah use the lock on and then while you're moving using the right stick to right. try to try to move your angle on the the view right. I, I will say the times that i've played it the camera 
isn't as freeform as I'd like. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's a naturally slow painting move. It feels like it's kind of herky-jerky. It is in, jerky, in how, yes. how the camera moves as you use the right stick yeah. in one. And I'm not sure well, if that's something that carries over the entire series, but it's it, pretty... It gets a little bit better, but it's still at the same time. There's, there's a lot of freedom of movement there, and mm-hmm. I, I still see it in three where you really get disoriented and sometimes when you're trying to lock on the camera will swing and jerk around and you'll you'll not be sure what you're looking at yeah so it it sounds like the same kind of issues persist to some degree then yeah okay all right it's it's not a game-breaking thing but it's one of those antiquated things where it feels like it's an early early adopter so to speak of that kind of movement and and management of view and it kind of i see often enough people online sort of heralding the series as their favorite and i like it for what it is so far but i feel like it maybe it's more like those people who love it so much it hit them at the right time or maybe they had such a love for either Disney or Final Fantasy or both that the marriage yeah. of the two really resonates with them. Yeah, uh, so that's it's it's not hitting me with those same kind of notes that I see the kind of love letters you see online about it. But it, it, it's an enjoyable experience so far, and I look forward to watching you play I, it more. I really like it. I, I again, I love Disney so much. The Final Fantasy stuff doesn't really play into my objective of the uh, of the whole game as a view, uh, like a game as a whole. But I do love Disney. So that's it, that alone to me is completely worthwhile playing it. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, we'll, we'll keep playing that then. Yeah. Uh, Daddy, I see that you have a feline game in store for us today. I do. It's called Cat Quest, and I bought it on Switch for, I want to say, less than five bucks towards the beginning of the year. And <laughs> it is... It's it's a little bit of a stretch, but go with me on this one. You're a cat, and you've <laughs> lost your memory. You're trying to find your sibling. I think like cat theme meets World of Warcraft, World of Meowcraft. Uh, <laughs> Aha! I got you there. I, I, I got it. I gotta stop right here. Uh, writers of stories need to pick something other than amnesia. Yeah. We, we had to blackball amnesia for a while because it's like it is just the standard boilerplate like excuse to have mystery in a story. <laughs> and I don't know if it was Detective Pikachu or what else recently mm. that it caught me, but there was something recently where it was like the final straw where I was like, oh, come on. How many times do we need to hear about I don't know who I am or where I'm from? And that's what we're trying to figure out the mystery of. But uh, it's kind of lazy, but. Yeah, my, my my bitch fest is over. Go on. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> you get shipwrecked on this island, and you're a cat. You got a basic attack. You can dodge roll, which, again, very, very useful. And you yeah. can eventually learn magic. So you go around from town to town trying to find clues about your sibling and just killing monsters and doing quests, which for me is really enjoyable. It's about the... The journey that gets you to the end. So, so uh, mm-hmm. quick question here: Is this uh, a sort of like a top-down uh, dungeon crawling kind of game, or is it a three D? Uh, it's it's more two D. So, okay. you got a flat plane. Your character moves across side to side, up and down. Eventually, you get the ability to fly, but that's not until much later in the game. You do have dungeons in the game. Uh, once you get into one and they can be a little bit tricky because you either die or you have to kill everything inside of the dungeon so stupid me a couple of times i was like oh this 
this dungeon's level 20. My cat is level 15 with all of his nice gear. Go into the dungeon, get one shot. Just I so frustrated at at sometimes, but still a very cute game. You got well, a lot I mean, of mm-hmm. at least you have eight more lives. It's not it's not that big of a deal. Uh, so the not. cat flies. <laughs> The cat learns the ability to the fly. The cat learns yeah. the ability to fly. I'm just imagining our cat yes. being, being flung <laughs> across the air and uh, a very surly looking face. Exactly. Uh, I, I wonder sometimes if our cat is a distant relative of Grumpy Cat. Oh, she uh, totally is. It just, she just has this uh, resting bitch face. Oh, uh, she's so sour <laughs> and, to look at uh, at first. But yeah, no. yeah. But so, uh, what, what kind of, uh, so, so you're a cat and then you, you can equip, uh, armor and weapons? Armor and weapons. And as you progress through the story, you either find armor and weapons that is of higher level, or if you continue to collect the same weapons, there's a randomization feature when it comes to the, the treasure chest you open, then it'll upgrade the piece of gear that you already have. Okay. Important question. Do, do they change the way you look on screen as you change your equipment? If I recall correctly, you Yes. yes, but you're, it's not like the main focus of what you're doing. Your character's still pretty small in the sure. overall scheme of the, the game. Sure, sure. That, that's just that, that's a little detail that I've come to appreciate with each new game I play. If they put the time in to change the way you look based on what you're wearing. Like, <laughs> if I'm wearing uh, Cat Wranglers of Defense plus one, I, I want to see the, the blue jeans on my... Uh, oh yeah, kitty rear, you know. So defense plus one, like a stat. That it's okay. All right, <laughs> he's just being I, nerdy. I, yeah, I, do, <laughs> I yeah, I don't well, understand. She, she's well versed in ignoring me. Don't worry. Whatever. I, I'm paying enough attention to ask you questions about what a Fair. defense plus one is. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's just it's my bad attempt at humor. Yeah. Thank you. It's bad. Yeah. I I understand that. <laughs> You don't understand. My my making bad jokes is for my sake, I not know. for your sake. Of course, I know. It's what keeps the show going. <laughs> it really so, is. It's what retains all five of those listeners too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so so you're enjoying it so far, then? Oh, I played through it and beat it. It was oh, wow. fantastic. Yeah. So, so how how old is this game? You said it came out on Switch, but that you got it pretty cheap. Yeah, I purchased it around the holiday season. I got my Switch around last August, and I didn't have very many games for it. So, like any self-respecting Nindy <laughs> fan, I hit the store when I saw some deals. Mm-hmm. This is one of the games I picked up. Not bad, not bad. So th- these indie games, do you buy? Can you buy them in stores, or do these just come like in a store virtually? It depends. Okay. So yeah. mo- most of the games that we're talking about right now, like Cat Quest, yeah. it's stuff off of Nintendo's virtual store like, okay. off their console. Okay, Sony and Microsoft had the same thing. Computers have what's called Steam or uh, other game storefronts that you can buy digital copies of these. A lot like Epic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the you wouldn't understand. I, I don't know. It's okay. Yeah, Kelly, ask about the Epic Store. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for yeah, a few well, minutes from now. Um, but uh, so there, but there are actually some indie games, which indie is store for independent, yeah, just like I know. with music. Uh, that much I do know. Yeah. Okay. I'm, just, I'm going by the explain like I'm five rule here. I know. So it's, well, it's good for me. No, I yeah, get it. Go and we ahead. got the office on in the background. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but some of these indie developers, they'll actually work with. Uh, 
larger publishers to do a certain run of a physical copy of oh, game. Okay. Or there's a special outfit called Limited Run Games, which their whole deal is that they'll work with a developer to produce a very small run of games that are like purchase on demand until they run out of a copy of that. So there are resources available for collectors who want to have like physical collections gotcha. of everything. Right. But for the most part, it's they get approved by the storefront owner to be listed on the store. They publish their game, and then you can purchase and download it oh, on your system. Right, right, right. So this is one of them. And then there's a wide range of stuff out there. I mean, Nintendo's flooded with games right now just because the Switch is an insanely successful thing. Right, yeah. yeah. Especially compared to the last one. So Cat Quest for five bucks, it's not as bad as... Uh, yeah, if you can get it for five bucks, I definitely recommend it. Uh, there's a lot of subtle nuances to the game. Mm-hmm. And if you really like to level up your character, try and fight as hard as you can to unlock extra content, I highly recommend the game. Why don't we move on before I try to think of some bad cat puns. Uh, I think that's going to cover the backlog blog. Uh, Let's take a breather, and when we get back, we'll chat about the state of news. some news not all news just stuff that we want to talk about daddy why don't you lead us off oh gladly so this week a couple of exciting pieces of news at least for me the pokemon sleep and pokemon home were announced alongside a brand new detective pikachu so this for was those on, of you when this presentation was going on kelly was being uh bugged by her kids about what she was doing on kingdom hearts <laughs> yeah so i was only kind of in and out of the yeah. thing so i'm sorry go on oh it's it's all right that's what we're here for to educate people about video games <laughs> so pokemon home that's gonna be a cloud-based system that's going to bring all of your pokemon across a bunch of different games into one place so the upcoming games that they have later this year sword and shield you'll be able to store your pokemon from there on this cloud uh, the ones that you find in let's go eevee and even in pokemon go so it's bringing a lot of different things together so that you have one storage space for all of those pokemon so this sounds familiar to something i heard of a long time ago called pokemon bank yeah very similar to that. So, so the the idea is that the Pokemon Company, all this stuff ends up on Nintendo stuff, but they're their own entity. And what they did was that there's something called Pokemon Bank, where it was like cloud storage uh, f- to be able to transfer your Pokemon characters from game to game. I think, but I, I think they caught they charged money for that, if I remember right. Yes. So it's it was a, a premium service they offered people who wanted to carry over from game to game the Pokemon they had collected before. Okay, so the Pokemon games they they all like in they all like connect they they come together somehow well, not, you can not not naturally okay because <laughs> yeah. I'm a little yeah, I was gonna say that's because you can go like you said like this Pokemon Bank or whatever it, it, it's sort of an inelegant solution to what people wanted so like the the Pokemon series typically has come in like iterations okay. so. Like Pokemon Red Blue was the first right. one. And I remember then, that. Uh, there was like a gold and silver and a diamond and pearl, black and white, 
so on and so forth, the latest ones are going to be Sword and Shield. Okay. And they always come in binary because the way they work is that one game will have certain exclusive Pokemon that the other game won't. And so it encourages you to either find someone else who has the other game to trade, or if you're going to be a real sucker, pay for both and then try to uh, <laughs> transfer. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So, All right. So th- this is supposed to be like a, a solution that allows people to transfer Pokemon across their different games. Yep, without having to find friends, basically. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, inching closer and closer to an isolated poke existence. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I, existence. Well, we'll so, wait until this next story. Anyway, <laughs> the other thing is the Pokemon Sleep, which is uh, it's going to utilize a new tool called the Pokemon Go Plus Plus. <laughs> and yes, that's actually what they're going with for the name of it. That, Scratching I feel, my head on that one. I'm, well, that that's very Nintendo of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pokemon plus squared. <laughs> I feel I feel like that's at least a little bit better. Yeah, uh, it's going to act a lot like your smartwatch or Fitbit. It's going to track your sleeping habits, and it's going to reward you with basically training your Pokemon while you sleep. It so the more consistent and the longer you are able to sleep, the better you'll be. And honestly speaking, for me, this is really exciting. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because having gone uh, into Pokemon Go, uh, I used it as a platform for walking and getting more exercise for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was able to lose over 20 pounds in the first year that it came out just by being more physically active. Sure. And nice. if you're anything like me, it, you sleep like garbage. Yep. So this is definitely <laughs> going to help to motivate me to sleep a little bit better if it can incorporate my video games into my sleeping habits. Hmm. Well, that's scary. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I, so it, I'm happy for you if you find that happens for you. I well, I, I worry that. So I don't know about you, but when I try to go to sleep, if my mind is focused on something, I can't sleep. <laughs> so yeah, my I, my thought my thought is like. I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to lie down and be thinking about the, the sweet experience or the Charizard I might be able to catch if I sleep really well. Just just do this. While you're trying to go to sleep, think, got to catch them all, got to catch them all, <laughs> got to catch them all, got to catch them all. I do that already because of how much Joseph and James watch yeah, it, so well, yeah. that should be easy enough. <sighs> I just... There, I wonder. I wonder how much of this would actually help as a way to work on your sleep aids of having better sleep. What's being done with that data? Like, like they're 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 collecting biometric data about you as you're sleeping. If you're having a what's essentially like a wristwatch, keeping track of your pulse and your yeah, uh, somebody's looking at that information. It's probably right. your credit card company. <laughs> Or your health insurance company, or yeah, some. some, uh, Well, that's probably the future. They're going to start using it to determine your how much you have to pay your premiums. Yeah, yeah, that's that's our that's our nightmare. It's interesting, and it's funny how this was spun off of something that I think Nintendo has been working on for like half a decade or so. So back during when there was the Wii U, uh, they were doing something called the Quality of Life Initiative, and Mm -hmm. this kind of sleeping uh, aid data collection is one of the things that they were working on, if I remember right. So it's I thought they had killed it on their end. So it makes me curious about how Pokemon decided to eat their way into it. But it's a curious thing. I'll be interested to see what they do with that. Yeah. And then the last thing I just kind of wanted to bring up, another Detective Pikachu game. 
No? I didn't like the first one. <laughs> oh. I, 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 it's not that it was bad. It's just juvenile. It's it's something that Joseph would like. So it, it's, it just bored me. I, so I gave it up. I, I'm surprised that it would have been that dumbed down. I mean... I probably just didn't I, I give under, it a good enough chance. I, I understand that Pokemon... Well, we, we've talked about this in a past episode, Daddy. I, it's debatable whether Pokemon is a, a young child-focused thing or something that older kids can find value in. But at the very least, I feel like they usually put enough in there to keep long-standing fans engaged to some degree. So it kind of surprises me that... I, I would imagine I probably just didn't give it a fair shot. That's probably all it was. It's okay, we... We got that sweet giant amiibo. <laughs> I love that amiibo. <laughs> well, the best amiibo ever. I'll say, as a grown ass man, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, do we do we think it's going to be akin to what the they look like in the movie, or do we think they're gonna go like uh, let's go games and be a little more cartoony? That's a good question. Uh, it's probably gonna stay true to the original game and series. I don't think they're gonna try and explore those freakishly realistic Pokemon just yet. You don't want a giant Lickitunga uh, just slobbering all over Gross. you. That is the grossest <laughs> thing in the whole movie. Oh, oh yeah, that was terrible. It, it was. I mean, there was some bad stuff, but that was just uh, that was that was graphic. That was that was too much. But... I'll settle for a real life Bulbasaur. How about that? Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was probably one of the cutest things. That on, oh my god, on that was screen. so cute. Yeah, just the horde of them sort of the, like oh my God. sauntering along. As they... they were so cute. Some of them were just like super adorable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I love the movie. I, I mean, if I, I don't know, the second game might be worth a shot. Well, be interesting you, to see. You're probably right. It's going to probably be closer to what the 3DS one looked like because if I remember right, reading this, it's it's supposed to be the conclusion of that story. So it would make mm-hmm. sense that it stays thematically similar. So uh, is that what all you have for this week? That's all I got. Okay, so I've only got a few things here, and I'll make it brief. Alex, you're welcome. Randy Pitchford update. He decided to share a video online of cat being harmed. Mm, Cats were harmed in the filming this video. Really, Alex? (laughs) You're not even here, and you're haunting us. All right, I'm sorry. Who's Randy Pitchford? Oh no, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't understand what's happening. He's a right guy now. that needs to get his act together. Okay. Uh, okay. That, uh, if that's uh, all we, I need to know, do that's we need all to go into the Randy Pitchford Chronicles? <laughs> no. Oh, please no. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm gonna do the super abridged version of this. That's he fine. is the owner of a video game company. Okay. Who has made some successful games in a series called Borderlands? He has oh, done yeah. some weird and crazy shit, including going on a podcast recently and talking about how he watched a porn video and described what the woman did in the porn video as oh, magic. Okay. Yeah. And claimed that he was something of a magician himself, and oh, that's how he could gotcha. tell it was magic. Okay. Right. The other things that are probably a little more shady than that is that. Oh. He's embezzled millions of dollars, oh, accused embezzled millions of dollars, accused having harassed or fought with employees of his company, oh. and is just a, all, all around a shitty human being. I was going to say, he sounds time. like a charming person. And yeah. now he punched a cat. So. Oh, wait, now he punched no, a cat. Well, did he well, punch, I don't know if it was did him. Did he but... punch the cat? <laughs> or, he, you know, he was involved well, with the punching of a cat? Knowing him, yeah, he punched a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's terrible. That, that's that's Rand, horrible. That's your Randy Pitchford update. Okay, that's fine. I don't need to know any more about this creeper. All right. So uh, the other piece of news I saw that came about was that Xbox Game Pass is officially coming to PC as its own standalone service. Mm. 
which is an interesting proposition, uh, sort of a precursor to what we think is going to be the future of Xbox, which is being untethered from the console itself, I think. I don't know. It, it's in, It's interesting. Because Xbox Game Pass currently has a portion of it that is offered on PC, but it is half a dozen to a dozen games total. The meat of it is on the Xbox. Do you know what Game Pass is, Kelly? Isn't that the thing that's on, like, Game Boy? Or not Game Boy, good lord. Um, No, Game Gear. Okay, whatever, (laughs) I don't care. The thing that's on, uh, like, the DS where you put it in your pocket and, okay, I, I don't know. That's, that, that's, that's right. That, that's Street Pass. Street Pass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, no, I have no so idea. So Xbox Pass has a service called Game Pass. It's a monthly subscription where you are, have access to a library of games available mm-hmm. to you each month. Think of something like Netflix. Right. Except instead of streaming, you download the titles to your console and play it, and then they rotate certain games in and out each month. So that's that's the point of comparison. Oh, that you might okay. Have. So like all of Microsoft's stuff, the games that they specifically make are always on there, but other companies that make games, they'll do deals with them to license out the use of their games during certain months of the year. Okay. And it's gotcha. like away from the dip, like a monthly subscription fee out of people instead of trying to get people to pay 60 bucks per game. Gotcha. Okay. So it, at this point right now, it, most of the offerings are on the Xbox itself, mm-hmm. but then there's maybe like 10 or 12 games that they offer on PC as well, and they announced that they're going to roll out a separate Xbox Game Pass service, which is going to be PC-focused. It's going to have hundreds of titles and be closer to parity with what the console's offerings are. So that's that's sort of the news that came about, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, Microsoft seems to be the one that really I'm curious about where they go from here. Because if you listen to any of the news outlets, they seem to be signaling that they think that Microsoft is going to have a console, but their focus is just as much going to be about being available like on any device that you can have streaming stuff to. That's cool. Possibly to compete with... uh, What you guys... You guys covered it in an earlier episode. Google Stadia? Google? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Google announced something similar to that, where like the idea is that you will have an account... And then you'll have access to it anywhere, provided that you have an internet connection and a device that will stream it to your device. Right. So that that seems to be a, a branch of where some of the gaming market's going to. And then other portions of it are like Sony, where it seems like they're going to be sort of focusing still on like the core hardware box of it. Mm-hmm. And then Nintendo's doing their weird thing by just being a handheld that you can plug into a TV. So oh. th- there's there's a branching of paths going on with like the the strategy of how each of them handle it but it's interesting so uh i think that'll be it for news let's take a break and when we come back we'll get heartless again and early adopter new or newish releases, as well as occasionally trying out an alpha or beta or two. I'm going to go ahead and start this segment here. I, uh, I've i been playing a game on the Nintendo Switch called European Conqueror X. Ooh. The X does not imply any extra extremeness. Oh. Yeah. 
Sorry. I was equally disappointed in that. So European Conqueror X is a tactical turn-based strategy game. By the looks of it, you would think it would be something akin to, to Risk or uh, Stratido, something of that nature, but it's probably it probably has more in common with parts of civilization. So the way it works is that you will go on a battlefield and you will be one army facing off against one or several other armies. And on the battlefield, there will be a grid-based movement, like hexagons, as the different tile sets. Okay. And it'll be taking turns like you're playing a board game. So, oh, yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen you play that, yeah. Right. So or, very tactical. Yes, exactly. So like those games, you're going to have different unit types. So like you'd have like cavalries, uh, foot soldiers, artilleries, and, and they'd have sort of a rock, paper, scissor dynamic where one's mm-hmm. going to be stronger against the others. Part of the strategy is trying to attack a certain unit with the right opposing unit that you'll be stronger against in trying to face off against against them and the other part of it is most missions in it you are trying to complete an objective besides just defeating defeating enemy units so it'll be like capture a certain city in the capital of a different part of the map okay so it gives you just basically different objectives like missions and things like that so so it depends on the mission and what I found is that the game actually starts you off on a pretty robust tutorial. They don't let you go out the date to actually go on to the campaign until you go through these missions, where it just it tries to very basic step-by-step, like, this is how you move on the map, this is how you initiate an attack, and then there are towns that are in your control that you can go into and submit upgrades by spending these currencies in the game, or you can use certain towns to create new units and so it goes through some of the basics but it it, it omits certain stuff too like it doesn't explain to you how exactly you accumulate the currency or uh, one of the wrinkles in it too is that you can have units on the field but there's a cap and and usually it'll be like you can have 25 unit points on the field and then a certain unit type will have like between four and six unit points assigned to it when you produce one of them and as long as that unit's on the field it takes up that many unit points. As Sounds needlessly complicated. Yeah, it so, does. So that, it does. That, well, that's the weird thing, though, is that I agree with you, but yet in practice, it doesn't feel as robust as something like a civilization, mm. which I'm not sure that's necessarily what I was looking for. I, I was looking for something probably closer to a, a, a risk where... And a game like that, it's a lot more dice rolls, really, than uh, rock, paper, scissor dynamic. But it, it's it's like to take shallow portions of civilization. So there's like city management, but it really only justifies the end of giving your characters a stat boost or uh, reducing the cost to produce a character. And, and then there's battles, but it's not... From what I experienced in the game, you don't get experience enough to upgrade your units. So it's not like in Civilization if your unit goes through a level up, you can choose to go, like, increase your mobility or increase your attack against this enemy type. It's it's not as robust as maybe I would have liked it to be, to be quite honest. And the other thing I noticed is that, like, the personality is kind of barren. Uh, so, so this game is based in 16th and 17th century warfare, and it tries to frame itself as, like, a quasi-historically accurate game in that the different segments of the campaign are involved in, like, the uh, different parts of European conflict during that okay. time, and, and even including, like, uh, a portion where they go through the Revolutionary War. 
horror oh, that's to cool. some degree. Which it is it is neat that they chose a the historically certain, accurate stuff. Right. But like it's it's strangely impersonal. So like the mm-hmm. the actual dialogue in the game, the uh narr- whatever the loose narrative they have through it, it's it's not really a a threaded narrative through it. It's it reads like a history book when you're playing through it. It's real dry. It's real. So you, you wanted this to be a little bit more like Age of Empires, where at least they give you a character that you follow along as they go through these events of history. I think so. Either that, or at the very, it needed to go one of two ways. It needed to have some more personality and character, or to your point, uh, a general type of, or something to push a story through it mm-hmm. that was a little more involved. Or if they weren't going to put effort into that, then lean more heavily into the complexity and and make it a deep and engrossing system to where it doesn't matter if it has a compelling story yeah. because your, your enjoyment out of it then is just engaging in that system where you feel like you're really having to tweak and manage things to be effective on the battlefield. Okay. So there's a total lack of character development in this. There, so it's basically what you're, you're saying as far uh, as it's not personable. I, I would say there's no character. Okay, I, there's I mean, no character yeah, at all. Okay. There, yeah, I mean, it's 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 totally bland. And wow, it, it's like I said, it reads like a, a history book. So like there will be there will be dialogue in mid match, but it's think about the most generic like war movie where somebody is saying like uh, they're coming up from the side and look out, they're on their way, no, <laughs> kind right. of stuff. And it's it's that kind of uh, real real dull commentary without any personality or stakes attached to it that I, I was kind of disappointed in. And granted, this is a this is a ten dollar game, so it might it might also be a little bit of like, what do you expect at that scale of cost? But I would have hoped for at least a a little more personality attached to it at the very that least. That does sound kind of disappointing in the way in a way because I love those historically accurate games and things like that. That sounds like it had promise, but it must have fallen short. Well, that was part of the appeal to me, too, is that I feel like you can tell a compelling story of some type or be engaging somehow, even being rooted in real-life events. I mean, there, you know, Daddy, there are so many games out there that are what you might consider budget title, but are just bursting with personality of some kind, or have yeah. a distinct character to them. I mean, you usually, if you're a budget title, that is the thing that distincts you more than anything, is your motif, your character. Huh. And it's, it's, it's sort of strange, like, it's, it is a competent tactical strategy game. It's something that I enjoyed well enough in short bursts, but I wouldn't say that it's something that I would want to keep engaged in unless I had <laughs> unless right. I had to to right. write something for it. Start needing tweaking or something like that. Yeah. So Well, uh, I think you know what you have to do. You have to go and write that article and say <laughs> This isn't Advanced Wars. When's the next Advanced Wars coming out? Uh, they, they already had that. It's called Wargroove. I need to do really? that sometime. Same company? No, no. It, it's an indie title, but it, oh. it's, it's a clear, let's say, homage to <laughs> to that series. All right, I, I'll, I'll go buy that in indie. Yeah, yeah well, I, it, it got rave reviews, so I'd, I'd be curious to see how it You called it Wargroove, and then you said rave? Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Groove, Clever. rave. Oh, 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 good lord. You're a dork. I'm not the one that said it. <laughs> I just wanted to call you dork. <laughs> All right, Daddy, uh, what, what do you we have an early adopter? Wow, this week? such enthusiasm. It's like you know that I'm going to talk about Kingdom Hearts some more. So before I, I jump in, 
How did you guys feel about the opening music for the first game? I loved it. It was very uh, poppy, very. wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I just remember thinking it was really good. It actually wasn't bad at all. It, it's not my speed usually, but it, it, it was, worked. Yeah, I would say it was pretty decent. It's a good soundtrack, the whole first game, and that's it, kind of what I hope to at least see as I get further into Kingdom Hearts. But let me jump on my soapbox here for a second. <laughs> the last time there was a numbered Kingdom Hearts game, I was in college, and that was so long ago. Wow. 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, over those 15 years, they still fed us Kingdom Hearts games uh, on the DS, the 3DS, the PSP. There's even a mobile game, if you really want to get adventurous. No. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a portion of those uh, did incorporate back to the main story, but for the most part, there there wasn't anything worth seeing, at least in my opinion. Uh, and I played all of them. <laughs> so... As you get to the third game, if you want to, you can review all of those storylines in the main menu. You oh, don't really? have to go through. Yeah. You don't have to go through and play them all again or try and remember what happened. You know, but I I appreciate that. It, it's kind of nice that they had the awareness that one, it's been so long since they've released a mainline series that people might need a refresher if they're well, trying yeah. to jump into it without going back. But then two, so Kelly, you don't know this, but you're going to find that this series has a history of being perceived as convoluted oh, and, yeah. <laughs> over, and overwrought in a way. Uh, uh, I, I could see that. Well, I mean, from the start, like the Kingdom Hearts 1, yeah. like they, they sort of jump into it without really explaining too much other than the barest threat of narrative compelling you yeah. forward. So like it, it, it felt like the game was more concerned with tying together different worlds of Disney and Final Fantasy together, yeah. more so than putting a coherent story through, right? Well, you got it right on the head there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's one of the, the really nice features is that you can go back and rewatch and try and figure out what the hell did happen during that game or what is this that I'm looking at right now? <laughs> uh, that's actually one of the points that I wanted to make. That even being such a staunch fan of the games, there are times when I still am sitting there like, well, I have no idea what's going on or what they're talking about, <laughs> but we've made it to the Tangled universe, so I'm happy about that. Um, but in the larger scope of things, uh, you'll find out that you've been depowered once again, and you have to get your strength back, solving mysteries, trying to save the worlds, and most enjoyably, some of the major villains from the past games do make a return appearance in here. Okay, uh, before we move on here, a quick explainer here. When when Daddy says depowered, mm-hmm. a lot of games, if they're part of a series where there's sequels, right. by the end of the one game you're playing, you usually get like really powered up from incremental upgrades to weapons and equipment and stuff and and to bring the scale back down to something reasonable a lot of times a sequel will happen where like you start the game and then an event will happen in game that will uh, turn you back into like a lower leveled being gotcha yeah uh, right. strip you of all your cool upgrades and stuff oh, to start you from square one. Oh, that sucks. Yes. Well, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine. Uh, you'd said that this is the f- first numbered Kingdom Hearts in 15 years? Yeah. Okay, so does that mean that there were other, like, in-between Kingdom Hearts, like, side games or something like that in in the last Look, 15 years? Oh, okay, Daddy, uh, uh, six, well, I want to say. Six. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to ask you to list off all of them, but maybe you list and off, like... <laughs> well, how about 
How about the the top three worst named side games? Uh, let's just say that the only one that I recommend playing would be the PSP one, which I believe that was Birth by Sleep. Birth by Sleep. So that yeah. was a subtitle of the game. That, yeah, yeah, Kingdom that's Hearts Birth by Sleep. But crazy. that one there, there's, was there, the there's closest one, feeling, but... and it was actually the most enjoyable. In that mm-hmm. one, you actually get to play three different characters and see how their stories intersect with each other over the course and it brought new worlds which previously hadn't been seen before you get to go to hmm. see cinderella nice. in that one. Oh, there you go nice that sounds and fun i wonder if i've got a vita i wonder if that's playable on vita hmm. uh i don't know about vita i i still uh, have it for psp though i'm sure you do yes i do <laughs> <laughs> the another game title was like uh 358 over two days oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the subtitle that's an interesting of, subtitle yeah chain of memories that one's not so bad yeah. com- comparably oh yeah <laughs> anyway i just oh yeah there's there's a lot of content and not all of it is the best but it's part of the story at this point mm-hmm. so from the worlds that i've already been in i'll tell you without any spoilers my favorite is the toy story land oh. As, so, so is is that the first time that pixar has made an appearance in these it's I have to crane back a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> Scratch my brain. Yes. I uh, Yes, it's the first time. Because you also get to go to Monsters, Inc. World. And mm. I believe those are the only two Pixar. I do not believe Big Hero 6 was a Pixar movie. I think it was just a, a Disney movie. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah. And that, that made sense because it, it probably... they Disney probably didn't own Pixar between 2 and 3. Or exactly. before, yeah. So oh, you see, no, they may have, but the the way that I've at least seen the franchise evolve is that back in the first game, you had those Final Fantasy characters, which were a way of incorporating two different genres, two different types of people. So far in this one, I haven't encountered any Final Fantasy characters, and I've made it through four or five worlds. So at some point, they decided that they didn't need those characters anymore because they already had enough of their own characters and enough of the Disney worlds incorporated to fill in the blanks. Hmm. Well, that sounds promising for you, at least. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, The more Disney, the better. So, when we talk about Final Fantasy characters, what, uh, three notwithstanding, what what series of Final Fantasy do they usually draw from? I I saw, obviously, seven, eight, ten. Yeah. Are are those the ones they usually stick to throughout the series? Okay, okay. So, we're not gonna, we're not gonna see, uh... Cecil. Yes, Cecil. (laughs) No, no Cecil. Spoony Bard. Uh, no. <laughs> Della. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> Final Fantasy IV. There's there's a character named Tella who is a like a mage, ah, and okay. I think for if his daughter is like spoon is uh, like eloping with a bard. You know what a bard is? Uh, it's like a musician playing play, oh, yeah, like a yeah, lute yeah, or something yeah. like that. And there's a segment where like he encounters him, and they go into the battle sequence, and Tella like he he yells out, "You spoony bard!" as he <laughs> attacks him. <laughs> it's, it's a sticking point for me how funny and dumb it was, but no, no Tella. That's disappointing. Uh, no, it's it's gonna be okay. Uh, I I'll just need to play four again, and <laughs> not six. But backlog uh, blog. Yeah, someday. I wonder. Uh, I wonder why that is. If they if they just felt like they got more value out of leveraging the Disney licenses while they still had them, or if they felt like the Final Fantasy seven characters were getting to a point where a lot of them were too antiquated for them to be as relevant 
in a third game. I just feel like they didn't need them as much to progress the plot or to try and explain something. Now, don't get me wrong. I may yet be at a part where they do incorporate some of the Final Fantasy characters, but so far, it's all Disney, Pixar, nobody Mm -hmm. outside of there. When you say that there's no Final Fantasy and it's their own characters in Disney Pixar, specific to Kingdom Hearts characters. Yes, don't get me wrong. There's some characters that they made specifically for the Kingdom Hearts series, Mm -hmm. but nobody that's got direct ties to Final Fantasy. Gotcha. So, uh, how? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I, I think I lost my place, but, or at least my brain. Ah, <laughs> uh, space travel. You remember space travel from the first game? So, we've encountered a few parts. It's something called the dummy ship. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it's sort of just this very blocky looking toy ship that you uh-huh. fly rings around yeah. and shoot mm-hmm. enemies at. Yeah. And you just go straight and shoot, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Imagine this. It's now three dimensional. <laughs> Whoa. So you fly your ship around in a three-dimensional world, but then when you get to a, a battle, mm-hmm. it's it's still like you just shoot. It's It's got that Galaga feel. <laughs> you just shoot straight ahead. Uh, some of the boss fights. So when you get to a new world now, the boss fight that you have to do to get into it is via gummy ship. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so you're in your gummy ship. You're trying to defeat this giant monster that is the size of a planet. Mm-hmm. so that you can get to uh, the frozen world. So, so is it getting to a point where it's turning more into like a bullet hell shooter, or is it... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> bullet hell is a definition for a like uh, top-down shooter where like there's a bunch of like uh, projectiles coming at you from everywhere on screen, right. and you're having mm-hmm. to dodge while shooting the enemy. Yep. yep. The combat in the game, it feels a lot like the last couple... Uh, with a couple of improvements, or I, I find them to be improvements, but I don't know how everybody else feels about them. But mm-hmm. they added amusement park rides. Huh. So in combat, if you hit one of the, I'm not going to say heartless because most of the time you're not fighting heartless. Oh, okay. But those are one of the enemies that you could possibly be fighting. Uh, you'll get the ability to uh, use an amusement park ride. Either the teacups, uh, Splash Mountain, Pirate Ship, Roller Coaster, or if you've been to Disney, uh, one of the parks, the shooting pods from the Toy Story ride. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you remember and the you, Toy Story ride? I've never been on the Toy Story ride. Okay. Uh, you gotta go. What, which which yeah. park is that from? That would be the, what's the Orlando World? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Magic Kingdom, is it? It was... Not in the Magic Kingdom. It was in one of the other parks. Uh, Disney Studios? Does that sound right? MGM? They might change the name of that. It's they changed MGM. the name. Okay, so they yeah. changed it again. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I know they, what you're talking about. They integrate these rides into the battle system itself? Oh, yeah. Huh. So for are the they like summons? Yeah, kind of. So you, summon, you basically summon it, and uh, like for Splash Mountain, you create like a river, and... Uh, you're on a raft and you can guide it around the battlefield and then once you like hit the the attack button it takes you on the whole ride and then it like drops you in the middle and you damage everything around it <laughs> do they show a uh, mid-ride picture after you're done summoning it oh no that would have been even better you kind of wish yeah <laughs> that's too bad missed opportunity <laughs> Oh, well, they did add, you can take pictures, like, they really want you to take pictures in the game. So if you're a big fan of Disney, then you know about, now, my wife is going to kill me because I'm not going to remember this. I believe they're secret Mickeys. They're, They're Mickey Mouse, like, the ears and the face that are hidden around the park. 
or oh just, yeah yeah so yeah. you have to find those and one of the elements of the game that they incorporated into three is that you have a camera you basically a cell phone and you go around, you try and find these secret Mickeys, and you take pictures of them, and you can unlock different upgrades, huh. basically yeah. accessories for your character. Okay. Cool. Huh. That adds a nice hide-and-seek to almost kind of... I mean, oh, it's a pain. <laughs> <laughs> They're really hard to find. Well, every every game needs a good set of collectibles to have to go find. Yeah. So uh, visually, how, how, how does it look uh, since the last time you revisited uh, Kingdom Hearts? It looks really great, uh, and it kind of helps that I have the Pro playing on uh, HD, mm. so 4K, real real pretty. That's that's one of the things I'm curious about as we start playing through these more, is that the, the first game still looks good, uh, to, to be clear, and it, it's that animated style that they went for that has held over pretty well, I think, uh, but... I sort of wonder how it'll progress as we play on, if we get to a second one and if we get to the third one. Right, absolutely. Especially with it being, at this point, two generations apart from (laughs) one and two. Yeah. Because this one's on PS4? Yes. Uh, Yeah. PlayStation 4 and Xbox. I figured. I was wondering how it would look, so I'm I'm intrigued. I'd I'd be curious, because I'm... I'm assuming at this point it, it probably looks close, closer to like contemporary Pixar kind of stuff, or am I overguessing that? Uh, I don't know. It, you, so in the first game, you really haven't gotten to the part where the characters start to take on different clothing when mm-hmm. you get to a different world. So it does have a little bit of that element in this game, and it makes it more fun because you don't have the normal characters running around with you when you go to monsters inc they're not their normal clothing they are transformed into monsters oh okay to fit alongside the other characters oh Hmm. interesting okay so you you've put about how much time into this so far i'm about four five worlds in i think that i'm about halfway maybe a little bit over halfway but i really like to go through and try and find everything so it's still going to be a while before i finish this one sure as a as a devotee i can assume this question but how are you liking it so far how do you feel it stacks up to the rest of the series the story i at times have no idea what's going on (laughs) when it comes to exploring the different worlds and getting to know the characters again it feels really great and i appreciate the time and effort that they put into it i know that 15 years is a long time so anything that they put out was probably going to be good enough for me after having such a drought. Oh yeah, I I sort of figured if if you're that much of a, a fan of the series, it's just being able to revisit that world and story. If it's hard to catch up with where things are or keep track of it, just the like revisiting those characters and things can be pretty meaningful. Agreed. So you'll yeah you'll have to come back with this uh, again once you've gotten it wrapped up, just to close the loop on it sometime. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Kelly doesn't have anything for us here this week, so we're going to wrap up early adopter and when we come back one final bonus segment On this week's episode, in honor of having Kelly with us who doesn't keep up with gaming, we're introducing a new segment, GG Radio Live React. Kelly, have you heard of Death Stranding? No. 
No. Uh, how about <laughs> Metal Gear Solid? I have heard of that, yes. Okay. You, you know that by association from me. Yes. Uh, so... That series had a uh, person who's become a pretty big name stay in video games called Hideo Kojima. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been sort of been touted as the mastermind behind the series to some degree. And, and those those games are marked by a self-seriousness mm-hmm. in the story they're telling about warfare and nuclear proliferation and things right. along that lines with an absurdism that really is, is, is dissonant but adds a kind of humor to it that makes it really funny sometimes and cuts into the edge enough to make it enjoyable. Uh, So he had a falling out with the company that he worked with and started his own company and got bankrolled by Sony to produce Mm -hmm. a game for PlayStation 4. Oh, boy. Called Death Stranding. Death Stranding. <laughs> and okay. before we begin, we're going to have you watch a trailer or two. Okay. And I want you to watch it with us and then uh, give us some of your thoughts as it's playing through and some thoughts after it's wrapped up. Uh-huh. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the only thing I'm going to say here before we start is since this stuff has been coming out, I've more and more thought that this has proved that Hideo Kojima needs handlers to keep him in line <laughs> <laughs> to be able to produce something that is well, competent, it's a strong word, but coherent. <laughs> coherent is definitely okay. a good word. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, start this trailer right now. And Kelly, think out loud. Trust me. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I will. <laughs> okay, we're going to go in three, two, one, go. So we're coming across some sort of ground. Right. Some credits. Huh. Those look like some kind of... What do those look like? Uh, crabs? Yeah, some kind of crab or sea uh, creature, right? Yeah. That looks like a hand. <laughs> and that's a hand. Some nice morose music in the background. Yeah, I'm sure I like anywhere. where this is going. Some giant hands. Yeah. And now what's that? Oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 Yeah, this is... Oh, God. Is that a man chained to a baby? Yeah, it's all with the umbilical cord still attached. You gotta carry that weight. And who's that man? Oh, my God, it's Boromir. No, it's not. It looks like Boromir. (laughs) It is not. Uh, He's an actor named uh, Norman Reedus. I don't know him. Uh, The Walking Dead, I think, is where he's from. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So, so what are we seeing right now? We're seeing hand baby handprints, like a baby crawling over to dead fish. Right, and his All hands right. were sort of black as if they were Oh, and he has some sort of a, like a cross scar on his stomach. Well they had to deliver via C section maybe, I don't know. Right. Now what's happening? Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> Oh, okay, so five they, things in the sky. I don't know what they are. Nobody does. Nobody. <laughs> but there's your whales, and that's where the conventional term of death stranding comes from. This is not a nudist colony. You're not allowed to be here. <laughs> okay. So, what is this game about? It is about a naked man on the beach with black hands, and he was holding a baby, and then it disappeared, and then 
Its handprints were like, I don't know, all over him. I mean, that's basically I, Animal Crossing. We're talking what? about Animal Crossing. <laughs> I don't know. There were baby handprints crawling. I were dead fish and but, but, five things in the sky nobody can identify. So, so you, what, what genre so you, of game do you think it is? Right. Uh, uh, sci-fi, maybe. Uh, okay. Do Do we think it's a action game? Do we think it is a shooter? Do we think it is a uh, role-playing game like Kingdom Hearts? Uh, <laughs> a Zelda? I'll say more like action. I don't think it's a shooter. I could be very wrong. I don't know. I, I would think that it would be like action. Okay. Okay. Should we do one more, Daddy? I think we're invested. We need to see what she thinks about this second one. <laughs> okay. All right. So this is the second trailer okay. that came out a year later. A year later. Okay. We're going to play now. Wait, has this game come out yet? No. No. In November, I believe. November. There's the hand again. More dead crab things. It looks like a hand. Oh, there's, yeah. Some nice bleedy font. Yeah, again. Oh, God. Oh, it's just the baby okay, from Toy just, Story. Okay, it's just a doll. No. You're probably not going to recognize him either. That's Guillermo del Toro. Okay, yeah, I I don't the, know the director. him at all. Ah, gotcha. So, okay. so somehow Hideo Kojima became friends with a bunch of Hollywood types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now what is he carrying? I can't see what he's carrying. I think we'll find out. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. How do you feel about this thing? Oh my god. It's uh, oh. How would so you it's describe like a, that? A tank with uh things crawling out of it. It's a meat tank. Ew. <laughs> Maybe not explicitly Gross. a meat tank, but it's at least like a and tank. Now it's bleeding. Meat hybrid. A meat hybrid. Gross. The Atkins tank. God. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh no. The water is rising. What's he doing in our basement? I don't, right? <laughs> oh, it's and a that's... baby that's was on the ground in the last trailer? And there's that creepy doll. Alright, well, uh, this is still really weird. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, yeah, this is kind of bizarre. I didn't notice this before, but they're both wearing a handcuff oh, of some uh, kind. Alright. Is he going to go into the creepy cave? Uh... Oh. Oh, now it's lighting up. More handprints. This is a very wide underground tunnel. With possibly ghosts? Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh, bone soldiers. <laughs> oh. oh, nice. Well, uh, uh. Okay. Um, so Don't try to Ill- pronounce his name. <laughs> uh, Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So. Okay. So what's happened? So okay. So the soldier, a guy, he just had something crawling back up into his body. Um. There's the creepy doll. So there's like some something slithering. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so did that did that trailer help you figure out what this game is about? No, it what uh, it did not. <laughs> I I there is a baby in a like a 
tube, and then there's the doll with the creepy bone soldiers, and then the soldier with the things crawling into his body. And, and the then meat tank. The meat tank, and then the, uh, <laughs> like, the crabs, and I, I don't get it. Well, Kelly, good news, because there's another trailer that we're not going to subject you to, <laughs> but it actually shows the gameplay, and it really doesn't help that much. I <laughs> still have no idea what the hell is going on with this game. That was bizarre. I, I, I will share one part of the trailer, not not showing it to you here, but I'll describe it real quick. A different trailer. The first main character from the first mm-hmm. trailer... The yeah. guy who had like the long hair and and the facial hair. Uh, in one of the trailers, they show the camera panning into his mouth, like down his stomach, uh-huh. and then like an opening to where his stomach would be. And then they show something rolling around in his stomach, uh-huh. and then they show a baby's face showing up God. in the opening with a thumb, and then like popping the thumb out. Oh my god! <laughs> and like giving a thumbs up yeah. <laughs> before they don't pan back down. Body. This is so weird. <laughs> All strange body horror, yeah. <laughs> freak show stuff. Oh my god! But uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll get that here this November, and you can experience it with me. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens then. Gross. Uh, Daddy, are you gonna be getting Death Stranding? Oh, I'm going over to Arona's house and watching the whole thing. I feel like that's the right way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that seems like something that'd be a good communal experience, for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is one... It's it's definitely a what-did-I-just-watch moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Keeps you coming back for more, I suppose. <laughs> well... Somebody. So, somebody feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, I, I wouldn't personally, but that's just a little out of my comfort zone, I guess. Understandable. <laughs> well, Joel, it doesn't look like we did you any favors this week. Looks like we're uh, still at 90 minutes. That's okay. Alright, and that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio, where, I said this last week, but Hartwood will someday come back to Metal Gear Kevin and continue his playthrough of Metal Gear Solid 1. Someday. Someday. I'm not committing him to anything because I, I know he won't meet that. <laughs> Daddy, do you have any plans? I, I don't know. We'll have to see what the future holds, but definitely streamed all of Heavy Rain last weekend. Yeah, I already saw it. You finished your homework already, so we'll have to get those up on YouTube just for archival purposes, and I might take a peek at that a little bit after we get a chance to play it through ourselves here. Yeah. We got it on, I like it. We got it on PlayStation 3, so I'm curious, too, to see what differences there are between the 3 and 4 port on that. Hopefully not a lot of 6-axis control. I don't, I don't think they had motion control. Uh-uh. We'll see. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening, and good game, Telly. Good game, Joel. Good game, Daddy. Good game.
What's up, Internet? Welcome to Session 15 of Super GG Radio, where Chen... Ugh. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. Shut up. <laughs> do I need to do this, Joel? No. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> all right, all right, here we go. 